0: Welcome to the Last Lap Podcast.
1: Welcome to the Last Lap Podcast.
0: Welcome, everybody, to the Last Lap Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Pearson, and alongside me, as always, is my co host, Sean Gray. From the track in old Budapest, we hoped for a race with some zest, but it took Hamilton's zeal and Vettel's broken steering wheel to prevent it from being a <laughs> yeah, smooth that was fest. good. I like
2: that. That was good. I can see how that one came to you a bit easier. Yeah, you know? uh, I so... to... had a lot to work with there. I think the key word there was Budapest. There's a lot to. There's a lot to work. Budapest there, yeah. is good. Yes. <laughs>
0: And there's there's always there's always good things that like things with the sort of that ES <laughs> sound in them. Kind of, you can kind of half rhyme with other words with the ES in them because they kind of roll us like zest and close mess enough, enough, sort yeah. of rhyme. Do you know what I mean? You could <laughs> you've got some w- wiggle room. <laughs> not like Baku. Yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> Struggling there. So uh, but at best indeed. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so ho- hopefully. So so hopefully from from that little uh, uh Bit of prose so you can guess that we are talking about the hungarian grand prix well you've probably clicked on a link that says this is the hungarian grand prix review so if you don't know it by now uh i'm very surprised um a track not noted probably in the history of f1 for having a layout that is conducive to the closest most exciting racing in the world uh but has produced a few um pretty memorable grand prix really in its time, par- partially thanks due to the sort of variable conditions that uh, often sort of strike the circuit without warning um, This time around well, on reflection it wasn't one of the it great wasn't, ones, was but, it really? uh, Also,
2: one of those weird races where it kept you interested pretty much all the way to the line without anything yeah. happening which does occasionally happen and uh, obviously this time it was down to to Seb kind of backing the pack up, not having complete control of the car, are the Mercedes going to be able to get by kind of thing. So not a lot happened in 30 laps, but it still kept you intrigued right the way to the end, or more or less right the way to the end, until sort of Lewis kind of gave up and you know, admitted that he wasn't going to get by. So without anything really happening, at least there was still something that kind of kept you on the edge of your seat, which is better than just, you know, someone going away at the front, and getting 15 seconds clear fairly really quickly and then just managing the gap for the rest of the race and nothing happens but also there's absolutely no intrigue because you know nothing is going to happen at least in this race there was a little element of well nothing's happening yet but maybe 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 no nothing happened <laughs> admittedly i'm in a much better mood than I was after Silverstone because of my uh, dreadful bias towards the eventual winner of the Grand Prix, Sebastian Vettel. <laughs> so had this been the other way around, had this been Ferrari chasing down Mercedes and Mercedes hanging on uh, and Seb not been able to get by and Lewis Hamilton, went, you'd have been sitting here chatting to me right now in the most miserable, bitter of moods. That's how, that's how fickle I am. <laughs> so yeah, it wasn't great, but it had something to keep us interested and and ultimately i'm fickle enough to say well it wasn't great but i'm happy enough with the result so what did you think <laughs>
0: i have to say that well I, I was the same actually in that i found that the period of the race where normally i'd be uh you know wishing i'd recorded the race and was able to fast forward through the 20 or 30 laps where <clears throat> nothing's happening happening and we are we're all waiting for the next pit stop or for somebody's tires to fall off or something along those lines um I was actually like oh well this is interesting because it it the story ebbed and flowed from between the two teams and it was first it, it came up like you know Vettel was was comfortably in the lead and you know Raikkonen was a good chunk of time behind and then he Kimi and just started to close in and close in on Vettel you know we went from being like seven seconds behind and then it was five and and it was three and we were like oh does Sebastian have a very big problem? And obviously he didn't have a a terminal problem, but it was obviously keeping him from really pumping in quick sector after quick sector, like Kimi was able to do. Um, and it just got you up to the point where we were just like, well, if he gets close enough to him, are Ferrari going to have to, you know, swap them around so that, you know, if Kimmy is that much faster, he can build a lead and, and, you know, um, make sure that ferrari get the one too or will they just have to try and keep him behind sebastian because kimmy's so far behind in the um championship and obviously after the last uh uh the last race there's now no gap um
1: it was one point going into hungary i
0: think so you kind of got that and then there was the point where you know valteri was going okay but then suddenly Lewis, you know, sort of strapped on the boots and suddenly it was just like, whoa, okay. Now now Lewis has found this pace that he's been, you know, kind of searching for all weekend really was his, was his problem, I think, is that he never quite got the car in the right window and it, it took strapping on the new boots to really sort of settle the car down halfway through the race. Um, and he caught up very quickly behind Valtteri and then there was, that suddenly became, well, what are they going to do here? Mercedes said that there was, you know, uh no team orders um as long as both t- drivers were in the title fight they'd be treated you know equally and and none of those bits and pieces but unlike the sort of kimi vettel one there was the there was such a sort of depth in pace difference when he came up behind him wasn't it it was it wasn't that um you know he he sort of crept up on the back of him by by a few tenths lap after lap he'd really rapidly caught up and um it kind of, well, I don't know about it, it it completely forced a hand, really. I don't think they had any other choice than to let him pass at that stage. Um, And and clearly he was able to catch up with the Ferraris um, within an amount of time. Um, But I guess that's that's the first. Well, uh, let's take a bit. Let's split this down into the, the two halves of the story then, really. So the first thing is when Kimi first got up to the back of Sebastian, before Lewis had been let by and all the other bits and pieces, would you have swapped them around there? Because Kimmy was. I would never have. Seb. At no and, point would I have. Seb ever was.
2: swapped Seb and Kimmy. And, and I don't think Ferrari were ever going to. Seb, I've said a hundred times, they will sacrifice the constructors' championship for Sebastian winning the world title. So at no point were they ever going to use Kimmy as anything other than the rear gunner that he's being paid to do. There's a reason Sebastian wants him as teammate for next season, because he's there to do a job, which is to be the rear gunner to his World Championship bid. And everything at that team is designed to bring that about. So at no point were they... Like, getting the one-two is second to making sure Sebastian gets as many points as possible over Lewis. So that was fundamentally what this was about. So if they'd swapped the two cars, even though Kimi was a second a lap faster... Seb's then going to be in major trouble to the Mercedes and probably swallowed up. So not only would they lose the the one-two, Seb would then lose points on on Lewis as well. So that just the, at no point was it ever going to happen. It's not it's not the way they do things. They, you know, they have their their driver who's going to win the world championship. That's and everything goes behind that guy. And this was an occasion where, you know. The lead driver owes a massive credit to the number two driver, in the way that Schumacher did to Rubens on occasions back in the day. And it, is it nice? Not particularly. Is it? Does it make great viewing? Matter of opinion. This this it certainly added a an element of intrigue to this to this race. Um, but it's just it's the way it's the way Ferrari worked politically, and and Kimmy's Kimmy understands that Kimmy knows what he's there to do. Kimmy's paid very well to do that. And there's a reason Seb wants them around next year. So at no point would they have did I ever think they were going to swap them, and no point did I ever want them to or expect them to, because I want Sebastian Vettel to win the world championship. So the constructors championship is is by the by as long as Seb wins the as wins the world title.
0: Okay. Fair enough. Uh even if that, that swap was Kimmy, you can go in front of Sebastian. Um, but if if he can keep pace with you, you'll swap No, because Seb would have
2: got swallowed up with his troubles by the Mercedes, I think. Even though Hungary is difficult to overtake, I think if Seb had been passed by Kimi, the Mercedes would have had the speed to pass him, and you would have ended up with Kimi first, Seb fourth, I think, ultimately, would have been the final result. And Ferrari might have got the race win, but that race win would have been meaningless because it wasn't for Sebastian, because they need Sebastian to take as many points out of Lewis as possible. And that's every race for the end of the season will be, how do we keep Sebastian ahead of Lewis? And if Kimi can be used to do that, like he was on this occasion, he will be. And, and that's it. That's what it will come down to. So letting them swap to prioritise the race victory, sure, they would have locked in the victory if they'd swapped them, for sure. But it would have been a victory that, in their grand scheme of things, wouldn't have really mattered to them because, as you say, Kimmy's so far behind in the championship. So they they did the right thing, in, in my opinion.
0: Cool. Okay. Uh, um. The the Mercedes one. So so Lewis closes up on mm-hmm. the back of Valtteri, Um. But says he's yep struggling to get past. Both are in the championship fight. Should they have let Lewis go past, or should Lewis have had to have actually slightly on the different
2: track? because Bottas, as you say, is an awful lot closer to the championship than, than Kimi is. Uh, and also, Mercedes have a history of being politically slightly different than Ferrari, as we've seen many times with Rosberg and Lewis. So, uh, ultimately, it, it comes down to what the team want to be. Ferrari are quite happy to to be a one a one driver team. Mercedes have built the last five years of their brand on letting them race. So, you could argue that from a PR point of view, they maybe should have let them race. But I think, really, and we've talked about it a couple of times. Does any of us really expect? Bottas is kind of forcing it by being so consistent and being so up in the championship. But I still get, I'm still giving the impression that you know Hamilton is the main man there, and if Bottas has to, he will succumb to that. So it's it, it certainly it's a lot trickier for Mercedes than it is for Ferrari. That's for sure. On this one isolated incident, I think Lewis was so quick and Hungary so difficult to pass that they had to make the move because. Bottas had been given plenty of time. So if you, if you look at that on this occasion as, as an isolated incident, as opposed to a philosophy of team orders as a whole, on this one particular incident, you had an extremely quicker Lewis. Bottas who had had a chance to make something happen and, and hadn't done so. And then you had the possibility of Lewis a, being able to get past Raikkonen and then being able to attack the world championship leader, which would have been good for not only Hamilton, but also Bottas. If they could have got Seb shuffled back down down the pecking order, that would have helped the whole team against Seb in the driver's title. So I can I, I can understand why they did it. I think it ultimately was the correct call for them to do so. It was just a little bit trickier from a PR standpoint to justify them Ferraris. Um not that Ferrari particularly give two hoots about about how they're seen with that kind of thing is, you know. We've seen Rubens slow down on the line in Austria and things like that. It's never really been Ferrari's uh, biggest priority, how they're perceived in the media. I don't think they care that much. But certainly Mercedes was definitely a trickier decision to make. But in this isolated incident, the right one. Lewis was fast enough and Bottas had been given enough opportunity at Raikkonen to justify it, I think.
0: Do you think that because Lewis had to ask for that place, do you think that helped Ferrari uh, stick to that plan A of leaving mm, Sebastian in front? In that, if Lewis was struggling to get past, I don't his think own it would have then. made
2: a difference to personally to the Ferrari. And, I just,
0: I, no, no. I'm um, just okay. let, let me let me let me get the point out because mm-hmm. I think it's an interesting point. Is that because Lewis was rapid yep. up to the back of Kimi? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? He was faster than Kimi all the way up until he really got yeah. into that sort of one and a yep. half to three second gap, and then it stalled completely and utter for him. Do you know what I mean? He had his uh, you've got five laps to get this sorted. He had his five laps got up to the back of them and couldn't yeah, do they anything. Another, they gave it? him five more laps. And then he couldn't do it. And then they gave him the rest of the race basically to try and do something. And and he couldn't. I'm just wondering if like, um, you know. Ferrari were confident in that. I mean, I know you say that they're not going to, but realistically, by the time that Lewis was catching up to them. He was so rapid, he would have easily overtaken both Kimi and Sebastian within a couple of laps. Do you not know I mean that the pace difference that he, he had in that thing but the fact that they knew you know as 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 you kind of alluded to before that hungary is such a difficult overtaking track that um the pace that they were showing um wasn't going to uh prevent them from being able to prevent him overtaking and in a similar kind of way that lewis was able to prevent nico from overtaking in uh, Abu Dhabi at the mm. end of last season. You know, he knows where yeah. to be fast enough to stay ahead. And then the rest of the time you know, it's a car following another car, uh, you know, damaging its tires and, and all the other bits and pieces. Well it? So- I, I that's that's my feeling that I got from it. That I think if Lewis had breezed past Valtteri They'd have been more scared, you um, think um I think they would have gone, oh okay. So not only is he passing you know not only can he pass cars, but he's passing uh another Mercedes, a car that we're you know we're we're frightened of the pace of um this quickly at this point in the race um Can we afford to let you know let Kimi be overtaken first and then Seb be a sitting duck because he's we know he's slower slower than Kimi anyway, even
2: if Lewis had got past both the Ferraris, I still think Seb would have finished ahead of Kimi though they would never order Seb to let Kimi by because then Seb's going to lose out to Lewis in the world championship so even if even if Lewis had breezed past Valtteri I think that
0: but you're you're looking at that you're looking at that wrong though aren't you because if Kimi finishes first and Lewis finishes second and Rocket and Vettel finishes third. That's a lot better than Hamilton finishing yep. first. No, yeah, I see what you're saying. Finishing second. So you
2: think? Do you think if if if, it bought, so if it it past Bottas, they might have went? Okay, he's he's too quick. Send Kimmy now to get a gap to keep Kimmy in first, and then Lewis second, third kind of. What it meant
0: that, it would have meant that Lewis would have had to have worked harder to mm-hmm. get to first. Maybe by that time he does run out of of tire, and maybe at that point, since mm-hmm. obviously. Seb isn't going as quite as fast he might have been able to have like u- used whatever last pace he, ha- he had or been at least consistent enough to have come back to Lewis. Mm-hmm. No, uh, I see your point the, end yeah. of the race. So um it's, it it's that big gap between first and second that changes the perception of it. If you know if it, if we were talking about um uh I don't know Daniel Ricciardo's in first and this is all happening Yeah, I see what you mean uh, yeah second third and and fourth it's a bit different i think you do hang it out and you say well what what's worse is it's it's the second to third gap which is only um i can't remember I what it is it's like three true, or, four maybe. or something three like that points. you know so, two yeah some it, you know it's much much less but that that being able to say well, well we'll protect the 25 points away from lewis um even if that means you know denying said the chance for 25 points mm-hmm. no um we can do it. I, I just think, I, I feel that there's something in the fact that Lewis had to I think ask also, to get
2: past, yeah.
0: kind of made them stay to that yeah,
2: yeah, I, plan. I think you're probably right in the yeah. sense that you, you summed up earlier where you talked about it being so difficult to overtake. I think Ferrari were confident that even if Lewis was a second a lap faster in clean air, it was so difficult to overtake that day that, that they were confident that they would be able to hang on. I think ultimately they had faith in Kimi as the rear gunner to say, well, even if Lewis is a second a lap quicker on pace. They had faith that a the, the track was so difficult to overtake a the dirt air was in Lewis's face and that also that they had a guy Kimmy who would be able to defend it. So you're right, you, there might have been if Lewis had breezed past, they might have had a, a bit more something to think about. So yeah, I, I definitely can see what you're saying there. I think, I think ultimately, they were confident in in their own situation that they would be able to hang on even from a quick Lewis. If it was any other track, different scenario probably but because specifically on this weekend it was hungary whereas it's well documented how, how tricky it is to follow and overtake i think they thought well even if lewis is quick we could probably drag this out and it, and it was worth taking the risk which ultimately paid off
1: absolutely
0: uh so going then past that we then have this sort of chase of, of lewis. Lewis chasing down Kimi and seeing whether he's, he's going to pass him, which he ultimately doesn't. Uh, and then we get the, the new interesting part of the race, which was when a Mercedes going to swap the cars back, yeah. because that was the deal, wasn't it? That Lewis goes ahead, but he has to give the place back if he can't pass uh, the first of which uh, a Ferrari. Hand it's on time.
2: heart, did you think um, he was going to put it back, uh, let the place go with five laps to go? Did you think he was going to give the place back?
0: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and in a way if he hadn't whilst I'd have probably been on social media raging for uh how unfair that is to to work on the premise of, of <laughs> lying to Valtteri that Hamilton would definitely give the post pe- pe- back I yeah. actually could have understood it I actually could have just gone look as crappy as that that is and unfair to Valtteri it does make sense That the person closest to the, you know, the championship takes more of the points. It goes against everything that Mercedes have ever said, and that's what I would have crucified them on, which is that the fact that they consistently said in the media, "We don't do team orders. We, you know, we won't prioritize somebody if they've got a chance of winning the championship," and and all those bits and pieces. So I'd have pilloried the team, and and their decision. I don't know if I would have pilloried Lewis himself so much. because ultimately i don't think it would have been his decision it would have been a team decision i think as it you know especially especially as the race shows he gave the place back and was prepared to give the place back and for all the other things that i you know we may complain about lewis hamilton that one is not something that i you know um i think i'd probably let his door is it is he somebody to ignore i think ultimately
2: as much as you say we can we have a go at lewis for many things but i think he does if a team says do something, he generally does it, like more often than not. Uh I don't think he's one for you know Sebastian multi twenty one, all that kind of thing. I, I don't think
0: <laughs> Yeah, I'm just gonna say
2: compare and contrast. Well, I've seen something on Twitter <laughs> and I think like put it this way do you think Sebastian Vettel would have let his teammate back through the way Lewis Hamilton did if he's leading the world championship? I don't, I don't think he would have. And I'm not entirely me. convinced Fernando Alonso <laughs> would have either. And you could go through the whole field of guys. A so Schumacher, he definitely wouldn't have, you know. So, so I mean, we say we, we, you know, we don't particularly like Lewis necessarily at times. But one thing he can't be, you can't really accuse him of is is not playing the game. If the team said this is what's going to happen, 99 times out of a hundred, he does it. So fair play to him on that. I'm kind of like you when they've seen the gap and how long was left and things like that I was like couple of laps to go. He's still a few seconds. I don't think he's giving this back, is he? And then ultimately he slowed right down at the end. I went, oh, whoa, he is. Okay, fair play. But I'm like, yeah, I couldn't have blamed him if he'd kept it. You know, he's in the world title fight. Like, I couldn't blame
0: him. And the fact was, is that, you know, he was doing what he was was being allowed to do, which was being told by the team that to make a run at the Ferraris. And really, it's down to Mm -hmm. Bottas to keep up, to make, you know, and say, okay, well i'm letting him do this thing so I, okay fine i'll drop 5 seconds back you know so that i'm well out of the way of the, the air and i can look after my car keep it cool so that when we sort the places back i'm in my best place to get the speed out of my car but he dropped to like 7 yeah. or 8 seconds and you were just kind of like that's too far Terry. if you're you know can you really not get any extra you out couldn't of the car really there?
2: You um, couldn't really to have blamed Lewis if he'd got on the radio with a lap to go and said, I would have given him a back, but he's seven seconds behind and I'm trying to attack Kimi. So you couldn't really have blamed him if he'd done that. Um, again, he never, which is fair play to him. But yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, had Lewis come out after it and had Lewis kept the place, he'd come out after it and said, oh, I would have given it back, but I was all over Kimi like a rash with a couple of laps to go and Valtteri wasn't close enough to give it back. You'd have to have looked at that and said, well, fair play. That's probably about right. He's trying to get past the car in front. As you rightly pointed out, Valtteri's then got to be right on his tail going, I'm here, you know, remember me sort of thing. I don't know whether Valtteri just was maybe told by the team, turn everything down and Lewis will definitely give you it back. So Valtteri just coasted home, you know, might be something in that, which is why the gap was so big because he knew, maybe he had trust in Lewis that, he would definitely give it back so he could afford to turn all the turn all the stuff down so that's a it was very, very strange but if
0: if you want to be conspiracy theorists wouldn't the the hilarious thing being that um Valtteri dropped back so that he could get close to Max Verstappen <laughs> in the hope that when they place game back Max <laughs> could overtake Lewis as well it's a bet to our <laughs> hat <laughs> and Valtteri would get even further up in the champion ahead of Lewis in a sort of Abu Dhabi-esque, if I go slow enough, <laughs> maybe somebody else will overtake my teammate. That would have been kind of hilarious. Really. I mean, I'm
2: leaning towards thinking that maybe Valtteri just trusted Lewis enough to say, I can turn the wick down, I'll get the place back at the end. Just, um, I
0: think so, he, he sometimes does that, doesn't he? He sometimes gets, gets a block and
2: then... It's one of those two options anyway. He either didn't have the pace or he was coasting home in in good faith of Lewis it's one of those two I guess we'll never really know which but certainly certainly you know fair play to Lewis for 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 someone like me who doesn't is quite open not a fan you know give him stick whatever sticks possible to give he did the he did the good man thing here he did, did the team game played by the rules played by the books so can't really lambast him for it as much as I would uh as like you said, as much as I would have been, I'd go, what's Lewis doing? Oh, no team. Yet. You know, would love to have kicked off about it. But no, nah, I did the right thing. I'm a hypocrite though. If Seb was in that position, I'd have been like, don't give it back, Seb. Don't give it back, Seb. So, you know, it's a f- sport is a fickle business, you know.
1: <laughs> so,
0: we, re- we sort of reverse time now, <laughs> in a way. Because fifth place is Max Verstappen. Uh, a fifth place with a mm-hmm. 10 second penalty. Uh, and your thoughts on that penalty will, will lead me to other questions about other things that happened in the race. The few other things mm-hmm. that happened in the race. Yep. So- um, ten, 10 seconds for essentially locking up and clouting his teammate, busting his radiator and causing a safety was car. that a
2: ten second on his pit stop or was that a 10 second stop go
0: 10 seconds stop go
2: because it was 10 seconds yeah. on the pit stop
0: no maybe, maybe it was 10 seconds on the pit that, stop actually Won't do you know what like... uh... yeah no, no, yeah no, i think no. it's a
2: 10 second time penalty it's on his pit ten, stop because yeah. yeah. he was in front of Lewis uh, yeah, ten second time, and then, was... then and then Lewis this... yeah. yeah so he had to stop for 10 yeah.
0: seconds during his pit
2: stop and yeah I see if it was ten second stop go Definitely too harsh, ten seconds on a pit stop, yeah, it's right on the bread line for me i, I don't I, I don't like to see the first corner instance being punished too severely, as we've kind of talked about quite a lot it's you know it's gonna get a bit crazy he's locked up he's made a yeah he's he's made a bit of a a silly one he's ended Daniel Ricardo's race but I genuinely, generally lean to the to the philosophy of letting the first corner stuff go. It's difficult because it has caused someone else, and it's worse that it's his teammate. But it's caused someone's race to be over, so you can fully understand why the stewards have felt the need to punish it. I think ultimately, if it wasn't the first lap, I'd have said fair penalty no questions asked because it's the first corner that's the only thing that's playing a little bit of doubt in my mind thankfully i'm not steward and don't have to make these decisions um if it was on, if it was on the middle of the race 30th lap i'd have probably said yeah that's fair he's taken a guy out and ended his race 10 seconds is absolutely fine the only like just a niggling bit of doubt is i'm like it's first lap you know it's crazy in the first corner it's a tight first corner everything's going on maybe a little bit of leeway should be allowed what did you think anyway
0: uh, I I think my problem with it was that it, it represented uh, a massive inconsistency with the stewards uh, this race in that I thought there were incidents where the contact was of a really similar nature and mm-hmm. they didn't do anything. Um, and clearly, of all the things, he's not going to have intentionally done that or intentionally done something that he knew is probably 50 50 to his teammate so it's a you know it's practically the definition of a of a racing incident do you know what i mean um and to get a 10 second stop yeah a 10 second time penalty sorry um i just kind of felt like whoa okay well i guess we're really clamping down on this and then they showed the replays at the start where they showed hulkenberg slewing across the road and um thumping into Grosjean sending him up in the air and and off the track um and then you got later on in the race Nico Hul- Hulkenberg being sort of eased uh to the outside of the track by by Kevin Magnussen and um uh, there was something else as well that i can't remember off the top of my head and i was just looking like thinking well the the contact realistically in terms of control was exactly the same in all of those incidents and one of those incidents with the Hulkenberg Grosjean one was right at the start of the race um and even Holkenberg's teammate saw and went, Well, if that's the way that we're playing, this race is gonna get, you know, is gonna get aggro. Um but they did nothing about it. And I just looked at it, I was just looking at it and just going, Well, that makes that makes no sense. You know what I mean? Either all of these are ten second penalties because you're saying these drivers were out of control and did something that caused them to cause a collision with another driver that could have been um avoided if they would just kept their car under control uh or you say you know especially at the start these are sort of racing incidents the the the, the magnuson hulkenberg one is a little bit different because there wasn't actually any contact but it was quite clearly a very deliberate move um so it was kind of like it, it ended hulkenberg's race essentially um so you know where, where's the difference really between that and the <clears throat> the first incident? Um, I, w- I think if you if they'd all been given those incidents, I'd have looked at that and gone, mm, You probably could give that either way because he's really heavily locked up, um, into the corner from a long way back to try and get the place back. It's very impetuous and not the smartest move. Um, but my thought was if it's an inter team penalty, I wonder if. If the team should be allowed to That's say, "We don't want this penalty," they've
2: already been punished.
0: They they can drop the charges if they want to say, "No, no, it's fine. Don't worry about That's it." That's
2: fascinating, it's, really, when you think about it, okay. isn't it? Like that'd be a that'd be an extremely interesting I mean, little layer to add into it. Because you're right; they've been punished by Ricardo being out of the race. Why do they then want their other guy punished by having to go to the back because he's taken a penalty? I mean, logically, you can absolutely say why that would be a fair thing for them to do. You know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because it's not that they—they've designed the race to be around this or anything like that. And it's not like it's a strategy that's benefited them in any way, shape, or form. They're getting um, no—you know—no absolutely. And you could
2: Uh, you could almost say the team can waive the the in race penalty, but Max would still take three points on his license. So Max is still being Max is still being punished for the sloppy move. He's got three points on his license. He builds that up. He gets a race ban. But the team don't have the the red bull in this race was basically over at the first corner. They got Daniel Ricciardo in the shed, and they've got Max Verstappen on a 10-second penalty halfway down the field. Why fly the cars all around the world just for that to be over at the first corner? So, you know, I certainly would add a very very intriguing little dynamic to a to a penalty system if it was team, you know, if it's inter team. I love the phrase "drop the charges." I love the idea of Christian Horner phoning up charlie and just being like oh yeah we're not pressing charges on max charlie don't worry <laughs> let's find that very fascinating uh, like you said though i mean the uh the consistency is the question there it's not you know you could you can make a decision on whether the each individual incident was punishable or not but when you punish one then you have to punish them all so whether max is being punished or not whether Hulkenberg, etc. Just it's the consistency that matters. If you decide that that type of incident isn't an offence, fair enough. Or if you decide it is an offence, fair enough. Just but as long as everything in that bracket then is then punished, like you said. Don't really have much, much more to add on it other than, yeah. Like I could see how it's been frustrating to have one thing punished and one not. That's not used. That's not used to anybody in any kind of sport. Consistency from its referees or its stewards is, is all that you ask for whether they make what you consider to be the right decision or wrong decision, as long as they're consistent in the decision-making. So, yeah, I don't have much more to add than you. It was just a bit a bit silly, uh, particularly the, the Magnussen-Hulkenberg one.
1: Sixth place.
2: <sighs> <laughs> and fastest lap.
0: and fastest lap which is brilliant i thought that was hilarious really (laughs) fernando himself um, seemed to be
2: pretty amused by that as well i think
0: he he had a good day at the office didn't he really was it was a good weekend pretty much all round really um double points finish for mclaren as well um so all good um and it probably would have been better for stoffel had he not had that uh he not overshot his box quite so much and cost himself about Three or four seconds in the uh, pit stop, he'd have probably been out uh, out ahead of um, whoever it was at the time. I can't remember. Um or Perez, one of the four Indians that he was racing, and ended up uh, costing him quite a lot of time compared to the others, and so ended up tenth. But, an like another great drive from Fernando. That's what he does, um, man.
2: That's what he does.
0: Just yeah, I mean track specific you know we know hungary is not a power circuit and we know that that mclaren has a great chassis on it so it's we've neutralized a good percentage of the the poor uh the poor engine you know obviously not enough to to take it up to the to the top teams kind of sort of thing um but enough to say you know the rest of the race we're going to be quicker than a hell of a lot of other cars um and the little uh, sitting on <laughs> what a way to undermine a podium ceremony to go sit on a deck chair <laughs> on a mural of yourself sitting on a it deck was chair. Pure class. <laughs> Just as we go off air for four weeks, ah, oh, the the meme lord who is Fernando Alonso, the gift that keeps on giving.
2: <laughs> it, it, you know, um, Seb's my guy, but Fernando's also my guy, and. He's not just he's not just one of my favorite drivers. He's just one of my favorite human beings. Just I just want to watch him do things, like go about his day. Like he's just he's just a, a wonderful man, providing us with so much entertainment over the years. Wonderful race driver, but wonderful just person. <laughs> um
0: well Lewis, Lewis Hamlin might have something to say about <laughs> well. that, possibly. Uh <laughs> Uh, and and possibly Felipe uh, <laughs> uh now and again but uh yeah no just just superb stuff and the you know the the words coming out of honda now are now not you know w- w- we're waiting to bring the next load of updates to see what it will do to ho- hopefully cure this they're now saying renault are our target we're looking to overtake renault that's you know that's where we're looking and i think that that in itself is just such a pleasant change Sauber. from <laughs> what we've had all weekend. Yeah, uh, if yeah, from from uh, hopefully <laughs> we'll finish ahead of Sauber in this race. Um, I, I just I have renewed good. optimism that um, we've got a good base for Honda to start really improving that engine and and working on it. That it seems to be reliable now, or more reliable at least, and able to get out a decent amount of power i know this isn't a power track but it what it kind of meant was that they were on at least an even footing with the midfield do you know what i mean they're race, racing against force indias with mercedes and um you know uh toro rosso's and and renault's and stuff like that and were quick clearly could be quicker than them so all we need now is to get that 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 power equality back up for the straights and you know clearly that car is a good going concern as a race car uh just need to tighten up the the elastic band in the back of it, it it seems it's
2: good to have something positive to say about mclaren really isn't it so uh
0: yes yeah it gave it's just it's just allowed me to go through this sort of four week down period sort of like okay we're gonna go to spa next which is not going to be a great track although last season they did all right there um considering um it's such a a considerable power track really but there is the, the twisty infield bit which uh last year but button and alonso were able to um kind of keep cars behind them um uh during the race so who knows what honda might be able to turn up with or what might be able to done for do for that so it might not be as as sort of bum-clenchingly bad as <laughs> it may have once seemed to be near nearer the start of the season um so yeah, I'm I'm I have some renewed hope in my team that uh, at least by the end of the season maybe we can see them back. What I want to see them is by the end of the season I want to see them back where they were at the end of last season, um, which kind of means that they'd have done in a year what it took them two years to do before. <laughs> so uh, that would be that'd be good, and I I think you know if, if Fernando can be regularly in this this kind of position come the end of the season. I think that'll be enough to get him to sign on for the next year. I hope uh, so. To, to I genuinely hope so. So he's
2: put that much into the last three years and all the, you know, all the crap that he's had to put up with with reliability and power and GP2 engines. It would be such a shame to see him go, <laughs> and in Honda to start to get it right and Fernando not reap any rewards. Like at this at this point, you know, you've yeah. put in three years of just misery. What's another year? And if it's still bad at the end of twenty eighteen, then yeah, probably go. But I am I'm definitely into. I think he should stay for for one more year. Like they thought it was going to take three years. It's taken a little bit longer, but you know you put that much into it. Should probably give it one one more year. I, ho- I hope he does, because if he goes, I mean, it depends what happens up the further up the food chain with Sebastian and all of this kind of thing, but. If if it ultimately means that Fernando has to choose between going between McLaren and Renault, like if Seb stays and Lewis stays and all of that, and and the only place he can go is Renault, I don't think that's a move he should make. He should he's you know he's been at three years at McLaren. He's put all the work into develop it. He should definitely stay there. Whereas if he goes to Renault, he's probably still two years away from having a potential world championship winning car anyway. And and there's no guarantees that they're going to be able to develop that. Yeah. So.
0: I feel that Renault are, are, are in a different way of developing, in that you know they they have the the engine near enough because the Red Bull can go near enough. Do you know what I mean? Um, but the team has been such an up and down in the sort of back. Do you know what I mean between mm-hmm. the Lotus and um, the changes in team leaders and, and bits and pieces? I kind of feel that that team needs to settle down and find out how it's going to run and how it's going to work. And Then Renault have a chance of doing something, something good. But I feel that's at least another season away. I don't think next season will be a big necessarily I agree. A big jump for them. I think they could. They, they. I think they should be looking to jump. Do you know what I mean? I'm not saying that they write off next season or anything like that. But but certainly, if it, it, next season they shouldn't be saying, and um, we will be fighting for the championship next season." In the same way that you know McLaren shouldn't be thinking that at all. But if, if Renault should be looking to say, "Well, we should." Easily be ahead of the Toro Rosso's and probably the Hasses. and we should be really mixing it with the Force India's race after race. And Holkenberg is doing that on and off. Do you know what I mean? It's he's he's shown that the car has something about it um, that that can make it competitive. And I think they just need to solidify that into the car and into the team that that do mm-hmm. you know, that mentality that that really good race teams run on, and it's it's the stuff that makes makes a Ferrari a Mercedes a Red Bull or a McLaren and, and Williams to to some extent as well be just able to sort of do things on the fly and, and think racing. Do you know what I mean? Um, so I don't think 2018 is the place to be in a Renault if you're wanting to fight for world championships. It it might be in 2019. I think, you know, it, it it's possible. Um, but in the same way that, you know, McLaren have all the team and all the, the stuff, they're just waiting on somebody to build them a decent engine. Renault almost other the way that they, they've got the engine and they just kind of sort of, sort of need to build the car and the, the team to, to manage the car. Um, and that's going to take a little bit more time, I think, than than just one more season. So I, I, I'm with you. I think if I was rolling my chips between those two, I'd sit with the McLaren and just see, you know, they've managed to develop a really good car by the sound of things. So if you're just waiting for that one key piece. That seems easier. Uh, in some ways, than waiting for like a whole team to fall into place. Do you know what I mean? That the, the right people have to be available to to make that team a, a success. Uh, Carlos Signs in the Force India. Oh, that's who it was. It was Carlos Signs and Alonso at the start as well, where basically um Signs th- thumped into the side of uh, Alonso and sent him off at the first corner. I didn't understand why that was any different to. Uh, Max and Ricardo. It was almost almost identical, basically, other than that the contact was more side on, so it didn't take Alonso out of the race, but it, it cost him places and stuff right at the start. So I don't know. Um, in fact, pretty much everybody from seventh down to the last finisher, I don't really know what went on with their races, particularly. Um, do you? <laughs> you remember much outside of that sort of tense
2: no, not not, not overly and i think it is because go. it was so close up the front for once that we had four cars within five seconds fighting for the first four places so that's become a bit of a rarity in modern times so they kind of focused on that for the majority of the for all of the race really and i'm a bit like you i'm like yeah the, the, the force india's the Hasses, they kind of seem to have more or less just ran their race to where you'd almost expect them to be. Um, for Cindy could maybe you could argue that they've kind of underperformed here without, you know, being too, you know, down on the McLaren or the Toro Russell. But you have to think that Perez Nokon would have been target and, you know, being ahead of everybody outside of the top three teams, really, realistically, that has to be their target. They want to be fourth best every single weekend. So you'd maybe argue that they're a little bit downcast about finishing behind both Fernando and Carlos. And I mean, Fernando sixth, signed seventh, Force India eight ninth. That's maybe just a little bit under 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 par for them. But maybe the car they just
1: didn't, they uh, didn't. Well, that's what I was going to say. Race, maybe the car they? just doesn't
2: really suit Hungary. It wouldn't surprise me if it didn't. You know, it's Mercedes engine. They are quite. I think they do quite well at the power track. So maybe they just didn't quite have it hooked up here. Yet still had a double points finish. So hard to be
0: overly yeah i was just gonna say it's not the worst (laughs) result they could have walked away with. it's hard to be overly
2: positive but it's hard to be overly negative (laughs) as well they're kind of like yeah that's fine (laughs) you know i expect a good result in spa for them they're usually quite good there so um maybe just put this down to hungary not being the most ideal track for them still a decent result in the end really they finished ahead of the williamses who've gotten their their own bother this weekend um
0: That's, yeah well in the last couple of races really isn't it they, it's been they've been consistently inconsistent i mean i mean ultimately i think
2: force yeah. india's key battle in the championship is with the williams as much as the the um the mclarens improving and hulkenberg's there or thereabouts regularly you're looking at williams versus force india kind of thing sort of in the championship so i said yeah. that i haven't mean, just looked at the standings <laughs> williams are a long way behind um Force
0: India, I, I was just gonna say I, I I didn't you know with the way that Lance Stroll started the season I didn't think there well there's a lot there's uh...
2: only thirty points separating Williams, Toro Rosso, Haas, Renault, McLaren so that's the cluster there that are all battling. Force India to their credit yeah. and because and because they've been so consistent they've been double points finishes almost every week if they're if they're getting the cars to the end which mm-hmm. more often than not they are unless they trip over one another. <laughs>
0: <laughs> i was just gonna but say the cars they are going to the end which
2: out. most of the time they do. They're generally finishing sixth, seventh, more or less every weekend. That consistency is very quickly added up into points. They're 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 closer to well no, maybe not quite. They're almost as close to the Red Bull as Williams are close to them. Put it that way. So they're they're almost in a complete no man's land in fourth, and you could almost argue that they've got fourth sealed up already. Because uh, I can't see how Williams might up their game in the second half of the season, but I can't see Force their Dropping dropping off enough to let them back in, almost. You know what I mean? So,
0: no, I, I actually, you know, I'm I'm more dire than that, it's that I I don't really see where Williams well, going yeah. to pick up. I don't. It doesn't feel like that that lineup, especially. I don't think Massa and Stroll. Is it's not a very inspiring
2: lineup to me, that's for sure. I mean, I like Felipe as much as the next guy, but yeah, I feel like they, if they're going to have Massa in the car, then you need to have. Someone and Stroll's had Stroll's been a bit hit or miss, he's done okay. Obviously, he's wonderful result in, in Baku. But I think if you're going to have Massa in one seat, you kind of need to have someone like a Magnussen or a, a Van Dorn or you know, someone who's won GP2 and come in with a massive sort of reputation to just want to set the world on fire. And I know Stroll obviously is going to want to set the world on fire, but he just lacks maybe the experience and even the. Arguably, the class to do it. Whereas, if he stuck science in there, for example, or, or a, or even a Hulkenberg or someone like that, then that would be a much better fit for them. You really Massa's got problems with his own consistency and Stroll's inconsistency. So it's not good for having both of them to be inconsistent. Then nothing, you know. That's been Force India's best achievement this season is consistency, and Williams has been the complete opposite of that. Like too many times, people are not finishing or they're. They're tripping over each other and ending up under...
0: Yeah, yeah. Out of the points.
2: They're down the field for... You know, and you can't really put your finger on why they're down the field. They've just not really turned up that weekend. And like I say, as much as I love Massa, he's guilty as anybody of inexplicably being in 13th. And you're just not really sure why. He's just not had the pace. And when you've got a guy like Stroll, who's going to have that because of the nature of where he's at in his career, he's going to have weekends where he has that. You need someone else alongside him to... To be the Hulkenberg putting it in seventh every week and and things like that. I would be the Perez always, always there. You know, Massa isn't really providing them that, which is a shame. But you know, it's Massa's had his he's had his day almost. You know, and I was reading articles earlier today that he sort of wants to stay on, even though he was going to retire last year. He thinks he might stay on again this year, and it's like, well.
0: I think that's a. I really. I'm, feel like to agree. I'm to agree. i think, I think, you need to get somebody either young and exciting or, or somebody with good experience who's who's got mileage, like a lot of mileage left. Like Hulkenberg would have yeah. been the ultimate person to have gotten into that. And he's that doing the Williams, same. Really he's doing the of, exact same job as he would Mass. do there
2: at Renault. He's gone in there with with a sort of less experienced yes. teammate, and he's been the measure of consistency, and he. He's 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 in that perfect prime of his career where he's got enough experience under his belt that he knows what's happening, but he's still young enough and hungry enough, and he's the perfect guy. And the only guy I can think of being able to do a similar role at Williams would be Carlos Sainz. I think he's the guy they should absolutely go for. If if it's true that Carlos is sort of getting itchy feet at Red Bull, sort or well, at Toro Rosso, you know, all the same. Science is a guy that should definitely stick in there for me if, if i'm if I'm Claire Williams and I'm going right, sorry, Felipe, but you know we' we're, we're going to have a clean start. Science would be the first guy I'd phone and just say, "Is there any chance you know is is there anything we can do here?" And maybe science will turn and go, look, I've heard this, that and that's happening. I'm going to wait out another season and be in the Red Bull. Fine, Science might choose to do that, but certainly from Williams' point of view that'd be the first guy on my on my list I think
0: I think Williams are you know doubly penalized because they don't really have uh a young driver program you think about everywhere else other than Sauber and has there's uh and I guess force India to some extent as well um th- the there it's talent that is being brought on. You think about, you know, Charles Leclerc in GP two, running away with it, doing a Van Dorn last season. It's going to be going into a Sauber next year probably, because they they're going to be the the junior team now. That's like almost official. That's how they've got this this Ferrari engine deal over the Honda one. Is you know they'll be the junior team. They might be rebadged alpha or something like that or or one of the other you know um maserati or something mm-hmm. like that they'll be, they'll be rebadged another another division of um ferrari and that's where they'll stick their young drivers through so you might end up with a team with giovannazzi and charles leclerc in it which would be an incredibly exciting little junior team um yeah, and and if it's run that way i have no problem because it's what red bull do with toro rosso and that works out fine for the championship it means you have um Young, exciting drivers actually getting, uh, you know, a chance in Formula One. So I'm kind of, you know, I'd much rather have that than have Marcus Ericsson on the grid. That's kind of a no-brainer. Absolutely, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but Williams Williams are lacking the type. Like Force India kind of has the Mercedes thing, isn't it? That, you know, if Mercedes said, we really want you to have, like, Pascal Wehrlein, they'd probably find it very difficult to say no. And they might be able to do the same thing at Williams, but I don't know whether there is quite the same sort of leverage. And Hass probably has the same sort of thing with Ferrari as well. If Ferrari said, you know, uh, we need you to get uh, one of our young drivers in the car, choose which one of your drivers you're going to get rid of, they'd probably get rid of one of them and st- stick the young Ferrari driver in because they're so reliant on that, that relationship. Um, and Renault, to some extent, obviously have um young drivers themselves and but they've also tied up with um mercedes in the past you know they obviously took on uh ocon who's a, a mercedes young driver uh and, and had him in the car so and they probably could tie up with um red bull if they looked at it that way do you not know I mean that it'd be another place for a, a red bull whether there's still that technical sort of partnership engine wise and stuff that it wouldn't be impossible for them to say you know We'll take Pierre Gasly for a season or something like that. It, it, it's all in the world. I just don't, I don't feel like Williams have that that tie-in to anything. So they're constantly having to try and grab drivers from other places. Or it's like grabbing somebody like Lance Stroll from the absolute, you know, nowhere at all. You know, he wasn't on anybody's radar when Williams picked him up at all. Uh, there were a, a clutch of drivers in GP2 that could have taken the seat or people have been moved around. And then suddenly it was Lance Stroll. Lance who? What? Um, and you know that's not a slight on Lance Stroll either, particularly. But you,
1: nobody predicted no. that,
0: did they? Nobody went, "Oh yeah, that's the guy that's going to go into William." <laughs> um, so that that's what I fear for the team is that they're they're running on second-hand M- Mercedes engines. The car doesn't seem to be consistent across a season, and there doesn't seem to be anything coming into the team driver-wise to really kind of galvanise them behind, unless somebody like a McLaren says, oops, we've got Alonso and Van Dorn in the car, but we'd really very much like you to take Lando Norris for a season or two seasons so that, you know, we can see him or rebel go, oh, we've got a Pierre Gasly, but yeah, despite having four, <laughs> four available seats, actually, we haven't got one for him. So would you mind taking him for a season? That's the kind of place that they're left in. And that's sad for that's for Williams, you know, the one of the most successful formula one teams in the history of the sport is sort of resigned to picking up the scraps of the um other people's young driver programs
2: do you think there's a solution for them do you think they can implement a young driver program or
0: i think i think they need to do what mclaren has done and find find somebody who wants to build a formula one engine um and be the partner for them do you know what i mean if uh, oh, who is it? Um, who did the engines before for all of the new teams?
2: Which, yeah,
0: Cosworth. Like, if Cosworth decided that they were going to come back in and do something with the help of Formula One, if I was Williams, I'd be like, Right, we're going to do it and we're going to see what we're doing, you know, whatever the whatever help Cosworth get in building the engine, or if Audi decided that they were, you know, going to come in and build a Formula One engine and do it that way rather than run a team, or if they wanted to have their own team. Like Audi Williams, fine. I'd I'd be take you know, but I'd be that's where I'd be doing it. I'd be looking to mm-hmm. try and take the investment out of somewhere else, so that you know there was something else putting in drive to the team. Because I don't think Formula One is going to treat them being the last sort of truly privateer team. Because as much as I love to think of M- as McLaren as a privateer team, they're you know they're backed by uh a sports car division which is far away starting to become like the desirable hypercar supercar sort of thing you know the P1 and all stuff like that that's what you're seeing people spending the money on isn't it do you know what I mean it's not it's not the lambo's anymore it's do you have a mclaren that 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 kind of shows it off and they've got the sports racing division the, the technology group supplying all the ecus and doing that across multiple formula and producing parts for racing formula like you know, they are more than a racing team, whereas Williams just is a racing There's no Williams car division. There's no, nobody's buying the Williams F1. Uh, And Williams aren't producing things for the greater uh, motorsport world. They are just, you know, what sponsorships can we get to keep this team running, really? And, you know, our history has to be enough to make us more attractive than, you know, a Sauber or a Haas. because I don't think that they can do something like Hass and buy the car from somewhere else. That'd be
2: a very disappointing step for them, given the history of the team.
0: It would, wouldn't it? And it's such a shame, because it would probably alleviate half their problems. If they said, McLaren, can we buy your chassis and stick a Mercedes engine in it and see where we go? They'd be like, they'd probably be up by the rebels. you um, know,
2: this is a team that's won all those world championships. It just wouldn't feel right, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
0: It's cap in hand, isn't it? It's that cap in hand what, begging to another team. And say, once you do that, again.
2: you kind of can't see how they can ever then step back up, you know, away from that. And it just feels to me that they would then, first the of time, be a midfield runner Whereas if you, I don't know, like you say, if, if they got, if they, if they went down the the Honda McLaren route, then that would be that 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 might give them a chance to go go back to the big time at some point if it if it clicks, but if they become another sort of, you know, with the greatest of respect, you know, or Sauber or whatever, buying parts from from one of the giants, then, like you say, it's hard to see how they could ever then return to the top. And, that, you know, that ultimately will be their ambition, surely. It's troubling times, but I feel like well, we've been talking about troubling times at Williams for about five years. Like... This is maybe. This is just. This is the reality. Is is just where they are right now. Um.
1: I don't know. I don't see it changing. Which is sad. Sorry. Say so that again. Just, I don't you? see it changing
2: anytime oh, soon. Which is sad. But I don't have a solution. I like you say. Maybe. Maybe the Honda. Esque relationship with McLaren is the solution, but that doesn't seem to be something that's around the corner. They had that with BMW in the early 2000s, and that's probably the most successful they were. For they didn't win any world championships, but at least they were winning some Grand Prixs with Montoya and Ralph Schumacher. When when BMW were were very um, intertwined in what they did, so perhaps like you say, that that is the solution they need a big. They need a big manufacturer to come in and say, "Okay, we're gonna, we're gonna do the engine, and we'll, we'll do this, and we'll do that, and we'll do it together." That seems to be the only way. Can't see how, if they continue the model that they do now, that they're ever going to be beating the top three or four teams. Just can't see it. Unless they, unless they fluke something, right. On a tech design, you know, unless one of their designers comes up with a something magical that finds them half a second a lap that no one else realized and the regulations or whatever and eventually that'll get copied by all the other teams and then probably eventually it'll get banned but they um that's the only way they're going to make a mag a magic jump like that if they come up with one of these things that you see every five or six years where a team suddenly finds a second out of nowhere the only it's either that or you know a a big giant coming in and going into bed with them. But if they just continue on the current path that they're going, it's hard to see how they they really make any gains beyond fourth, fifth best.
1: <laughs> Sad, but true, I think.
2: We've gone off on quite a very Williams-themed tangent there, but...
0: Well, sometimes it's worth discussing yeah. those sort of things in context of a team that... Uh, stuff. I guess something we haven't talked about and maybe if you were talking about somebody who you want to be consistent and somebody maybe the team can get behind who has experience, the guy who subbed in for um, yep. Felipe Massa this race and did a very creditable job for having never driven a 2017 spec car at all. Um,
2: hey, I love Paul de Resta. Um, I think Paul de Resta should have been an F1 for the last four or five years. I think he's more than capable talent-wise. The only reason he isn't is because he's not money really he's not a sponsorship guy and he's not a hot young driver program guy um he's found himself a bit of a victim of modern f1 where you could look at the bottom end of the the grid and take guys like uh ericsson Stroll, maybe last year someone like gutierrez who had a seat for a while like these kind of guys for me there's no question whatsoever paul de restos a better fit for a Formula One driver than than those guys. But he doesn't come with, with bags of money and, and that's the reality. If he could you know if he could get some more shots in the Williams and show people what he could do, then maybe maybe it would be um he might get another crack at the whip. I thought time had get I thought you know I thought he'd passed him by. I didn't think we'd ever see Paul rest in a Formula One car again. Felipe Massa's obviously had his own his own troubles, and, and Paul's, and Paul stepped in, and as you said, did a very credible job. I I I actually even like his uh like his commentary, but yeah, most people seem to think he's a bit of a bore. There, I actually don't mind him in the commentary box either. So, I've got. Uh, I like it when
0: he I like it when he tells Cuthbert to, <laughs> to shut up. I've
2: got plenty of time for Paul, in, in pretty much every context. So I'd love to see him get another serious crack at the whip. Um. Well,
0: I think they could do a lot worse than than put him instead of Massa. I agree I but he's got mileage I think that's the thing about it Do you know what I mean Massa is not going to get any better than he is now he's only got really the potential to get worse Felipe Massa is not going to have another 2008 season it's I agree it's just not going to happen and Paul de Ressa might not have a 2008 Massa season but I think he's capable of all the stuff that he was doing in the Force India when everybody said you know uh, who was he in the yeah, Force India was Holkenberg yeah, so. at the Force India and they were they were doing exactly this you know they were dueling back and forth throughout the season um, and if Nico Holkenberg is capable of getting a Renault into you know kind of sixth place on a regular basis then sorry Paul de Rester must surely be able to get a Williams into the points on a regular basis somewhere even if it isn't you know you say maybe it's not as good as the Renault but I don't see why it isn't as good as the Renault Um and he can do it consistently. I just don't... I, I think it seems to me like a really simple switch and then you say Massa can be backup reserve driver, maybe, or you get somebody else in. You say to one of the teams, do you have a you know a young driver that you'd like to bring on? Well, we'll put him through our team for this season and stuff like that and see how it goes or, or whatever and try and make some money that way or, or, or Thing is, Massa, whatever you're going to do. Massa isn't so bringing in money,
2: to... surely, is he? Right.
0: I don't... Yeah. I would have thought they're paying him. Do you know what I mean? I don't think he's... You know, got tons and tons of sponsorship. That's that's. Keeping so if they're them, paying Massa, then they can um, pay the rest, though. No,
2: and and then, yeah. Well, they already are. And aren't they, really? and as you say, if you just judge it purely on ability to drive a Formula One car in 2017, I'd, I'd take the Rasta. So I don't see why why that shouldn't be a feasible option. Um I don't know. I hope he gets another chance. I Really do. I couldn't believe at the time when he went out of F1. I, that was one that I sat up and went, hey, someone's gone wrong there. If the rest has found himself without a drive, and the biggest problem you've got in F1 is when you find yourself without a drive, it's extremely difficult to get back in. Um, you know, it, there's guys that can stay in through just being around, but when you go out for a season, suddenly forget who you are. And it's it's extremely difficult to get to get back in, even when there's people in the game that are probably worse than you. The rest has been a bit of a victim of that. He's gone away. He's did did a different formula, and suddenly no one's talking about him for an F one drive anymore. This has put him back in the uh, back in the light. So hopefully, hopefully somebody takes a look at him anyway. Stick him in the Renault alongside Hulkenberg. <laughs> <laughs> if Kubica can't do it, stick the stick PDR in there.
0: Well, absolutely, uh, and maybe that's where we can sort of sort of finish everything up really uh probably qubits a testing in hungary in the two days afterwards uh creditable fourth place uh ahead of um you know uh other drivers who have had uh some experience with the cars or certainly have been more embedded in in the teams that they were um they were driving for uh i, I if i'm honest i think the star of uh the two days is lando norris in the uh, mclaren coming second in the timesheets um only bettered by sebastian vettel uh i think that uh mclaren have another great driver on their books so if you know if fernando does sort of only do 2018 and disappear then it does look like they've kind of got yet another protege waiting in the wings who can sort of wander in and take the drive and, and do something with it um but i he wasn't um, super close to the fast times, the same times of the other. Not as close as DuResta was, I think, to Lance Stroll's times. But um, I, you'd have to imagine that Kubica isn't quite as like a hundred percent fit as somebody who's been keeping mm-hmm. themselves in the eye f- as a Formula One reserve. It's also not been driving the so, car,
2: you know. Like the went in and Hungary, and and it's clear that you know these cars are. You know, different to what he last drove. The car's going to be different to what Kibitza last drove. You know, Kubica did those tests in a 2013 car, or whatever it was, a few weeks ago. Jump into a 2017 car. It's going to take him a bit of time. You know, compared to so it's not really fair to compare him to someone who's been driving all season in this in in a 2017 car, is it? So I think he did absolutely brilliantly personally. Uh, whether it's enough to be to say he can compete week in week out in F1, I'm, I don't know. But I'd certainly like to see him given the chance. I think he's done enough to to be given a chance. I, I, I think he's done enough to say, give him to the end of the season and see if he can do it. And if it, at the end of the season, if he can't, if he says, look, it's too much, he's just not got it in him, then then fine. But you know, he didn't just drive a few laps, really. He did 120 laps whatever. So he seems to have the ability to go for a long period of time. Whether he's the ability to go for a long period of time and keep the pace up, I'm not so sure. But we're only gonna know if we find out and I think he's done enough to be to, to be given that opportunity.
1: Yeah. I
0: I would love to see him back in. Um I think he almost right, he almost just deserves that half season to
2: if it doesn't work out, you know.
0: Let him prove whether he's got it or not. And if he doesn't then the worst that Renner can say is we didn't get him, please buy all of our Cubits themed <laughs> merchandise. <laughs> do You know what I mean. Um, it 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 does it does it probably isn't going to affect their plans mm-hmm. having him in the car. Joel, I don't think it will affect how they do the car. And Julian Palmer's
2: not got any points, <laughs> so it's not like if you stick Kubica in the car, you're suddenly taking away. Oh, you're taking away points every weekend because you aren't. Palmer doesn't have any points, so you know, as harsh as it is, you're not really losing anything by taking Palmer out of the car. And you, like you say, you might just find it kibitz is you know, you stick him in one weekend, it might take him a weekend or two to get to speed, but if you give him six or seven races towards the back end of the season, and suddenly after two or three races of getting up to speed, he's putting it in the points, then that's more than what Palmer's done. And you have to, I just think he's done enough to be given that opportunity.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I'm I'm ready for him to come back and do something and, and make me smile and be like, yay, we, we, we got him back. I'd love back, to see yeah. it. So,
2: I'd love to see it in team, Spa. I don't think it will be done that quickly. Um, you never know. But I would love to see him at Spa.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely, definitely.
0: Uh, and I think that pretty much, have you got anything else? Uh, anything else you want to cover particularly? Uh... Anybody else you feel we need to? Oh yes, we do need to cover one thing. Oh, nice. Kevin Magnussen um, introducing the the new catchphrase to Formula One. We've had, honestly, what are we doing here? From Sebastian <laughs> and gp 2 engine from Fernando Alonso. Now we have "Suck my balls, honey" from <laughs> from Kevin Magnussen to a, a a grumpy Nico Hulkenberg following a. Uh, a slight disagreement about how much track nico was exactly entitled to in one of the corners oh dear that was was... there's something hilarious about how childish that phrase is that just makes it even better i
2: mean fair play (laughs) fair play to kevin magnuson for not being a you know media robot you know it's what i want to see that kind of thing you know i want to see personality out of people so it almost endeared me to Kev rather than, you know, put me off him. Put it that way. Yeah, it's a bit like the Riker, you know, and it's yeah, no, a bit like know. Kimmy. You know, Kimmy says some stupid things, and it? it just makes you. It just makes you, you know, like him even more. Kev's Kev seems to be transitioning yeah. into that category Kev's, now. The modern day Kimmy Riker, and <laughs> they're just not giving <laughs> a single, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think that's what I, that's what I like, and I think that's like. Yeah, this is good. This is exactly what we want to hear, isn't it? Isn't it that we want? That if Nico Holcomb is going to go up and interrupt somebody during the middle of an interview, uh, you know, somebody on TV, then the, the guy doesn't go, oh, well, I guess he's mm. upset. Tee hee. And carry on with this interview. <laughs> tells tells him exactly <laughs> what he thinks of him. And, and they get on and like, yep, this is great. This is what, I, you know, I really don't want them to, to see. It's not like like multi twenty one. Like, wouldn't you have really loved to have seen Mark Webber absolutely <laughs> unload in one of the press conferences? Yeah. And he didn't, do you know what I mean? He's, other than slamming the water and to down be felt, during the, the press conference And to be fair to Mark, who's like,
2: better than most of them. Normally he does say more or less what he wants to say, but, like, yeah, even him uh, knew better than to to really lose the head in a big, big way that day. But uh, it was just, it was good fun, you know. It's fun in games. <laughs> Give us something to smile about after a pretty dull Grand Prix, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> it
0: absolutely was. The uh, the memes were fantastic. Even I managed to get in on the action and uh, uh, put together a little something for it. It was good. all good fun, all good fun. So we are heading into the tiresome Formula One break. Um, four weeks of no F1, so we'll probably try and think of something we can do in the middle of all this to try and sort of break up break up the monotony somewhat um so keep yourselves uh, tuned to this dial this website this uh itunes subscription i don't know something whatever you're listening to us through um and we will try and brighten up the intermediate time with uh, bits and pieces as we can think of them um but for now thank you very much for listening this is the last lap podcast find us at www.lastlappodcast.co.uk Find us on Twitter at Last Lap Podcast. Find us on Facebook. uh, Just search for The Last Lap uh, F1 Podcast. Uh, And as always, you can sub to us on uh, iTunes. Tune in or uh, always get it wrong. Stitcher. (laughs) Yeah, Stitcher. (laughs)
1: Yeah,
0: Stitcher. That's the one. Um, I don't know. I submit submit the feed to them and then it just updates. So I've never gone and checked it. So uh, if you're listening via Stitcher, thank you very much. Um, (laughs) you are an uncounted statistic I do apologise but yeah, uh, spar in a few weeks time, really much very looking forward to it and we hope that you'll join us after that race for another review and another episode of the Last Apple Podcast thanks very much guys and see you then bye bye